Welcome to Why Not Both. This podcast is about the way that our multiple passions inform our identity. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. Each week, I interview people about the ways that the multiple things they love inform who they are as people. You can learn more about this podcast as well as our guests on our website, which is wnbpodcast.com. You can also find us on social media, such as Instagram or Twitter, under the handle WNBThePodcast. Thank you so much for your support. It really helps us out when you like and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. So not only do you get the latest episodes, but other people can see us as well. Thank you again, and I really hope you enjoyed this week's interview. So welcome to this week's episode of Why Not Both. I am here with Nastia Valentine, and she is a multimedia artist and esthetician. True, I am both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks, Pam. So I always ask people, uh, what is it you do, and is there a better question that I could ask? Oh my gosh, I have such a love-hate relationship with that question, because everyone always asks that, basically in every like social situation. Yes. I think for me, like a more preferable question to that would be like, what are you doing now? Or like, what are you into now? Because to me, like my art practice kind of revolves yearly. Like there's like some years or some months that I'm more into doing music and music stuff. Like some months that I'm more into like set design. Other times that I, you know, I'm just like straight up filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And there is also like that split question, like kind of how you introduced me as like an artist and an esthetician. Mm Because I am an artist by practice and by you know education but I'm an esthetician as my day job Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so two very distinct but still very interesting fields in my opinion yes and I like that modification of what are you doing now Mm -hmm. because I think that people do sometimes define themselves by what they did in the past but then they might feel cognitive dissonance if they're like but I'm not doing that right now yeah, I feel that really hard, actually. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm very tempted to, like, still define myself as a musician just because I have such a history with that. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, wait, I haven't actually even picked up a guitar or played a synth in over six months. So maybe ixnay on that for a while. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I like that you said that it's something that you practice. Yeah. Like. Practice makes perfect. There you go. <laughs> And also it sounds like practice is part of your identity. Like that kind of dovetails with a question that I had about like how you define yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, it dovetails very nicely. Yeah. Do you feel that like what you're practicing is what defines you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say how like one defines oneself. But for me, generally, I look at like what I'm putting in a lot of effort into and like where I'm really, you know, gauging like where my energy is Mm, so I guess you could say that I do define my practice as to like where my effort goes got it so it sounds like for you then defining yourself by like where your action and intention is going Mm -hmm. yeah it's very like kinetic yes yes I find that I was talking to someone else about how it's so interesting that sometimes people are like oh I have this goal Mm -hmm. but then they don't take the actions to get to the goal oh my god that's my worst nightmare (laughs) (laughs) I'm so into goal setting, but, like, if I have, like, an ephemeral goal and I don't do anything for it, I just, like, I cut the goal. I'm like, let's 86 that. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, if I haven't taken action towards it, <laughs> yeah. that's probably, it's not, not the way. Yeah, like, I think that it's interesting that it's it's almost like all these split-second choices of what we do that actually add up to what we are. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's always adding and it's always building up. That's yes. what's like so interesting about the artistic identity to me is that it's so fluid and it's always changing. Yes. Like right now you're working on several projects. Like you're like, oh, I, I just am. came back from like from filming in New York. Like, can you explain to people what you're working on now? Sure. Um, there's two like major projects that I'm working on right now that aren't just like the minor, like freelance, what have you. So the first one is a big event. So I curate events and I do like the set design and production design for it and what have you. And they're in a series called Castles. So mm -hmm. the first one was Party Castle a couple years ago and it was like a party mall theme. Then we had Space Castle, which was a spa on Mars. <laughs> we that. had Nuclear <laughs> Castle, which was like Apocalypse. Cave Castle, which was the launch of a cave-themed magazine. And Bliss Castle was like a utopia theme, like the opposite of dystopia. So this next one, it's going to be called Clown Castle. <laughs> and send in the clowns. It's going to be terrifying. It's going to be terrifying. Yeah, it, it's going to be like that scene in Fear and Loathing where Duke and Gonzo go into the circus kind of vibes. But yeah, it's going to be in New York, and it's going to be like a three-day, like very like pompous extravaganza of like freaky but also kind of wholesome things. So definitely we'll hop in with more info on that later. And then I'm also making a film. Yeah. And this film is like my baby. It's called Zero Illumination. And it's it's hard to say like what it's about. It's kind of about like a scientist who goes rogue. Mm -hmm. That's like the best description that I've had for it so far. Mm -hmm. It's very like quasi autobiographical because I have a background in science as well. Like welcome to the many things that Nastia yes. does. It kind of like aims to, um, again, like dovetail and like intertwine everything that I do under like one film project. That makes sense. And that's screening in New York in September. Hey. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking about when you said that it was like a scientist that has gone rogue. I was like, because your other field actually is rather scientific, being an For esthetician. Sure. Yeah. Um, when I went to esthetician school, I was almost like surprised at how scientific like all of the courses were like we dealt mm -hmm. with like anatomy, electrical theory um, for all of the equipment that we mm -hmm. use. Mm -hmm. So my background in um, like audio and like video, like AV stuff served me well there. <laughs> um, of course, like biology and chemistry. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a lot, but it was cool. Do you enjoy me. doing it? I really enjoy doing it. I love doing like facials and microdermabrasion and peels. I love skincare in general. I think it's like, it's a huge part of life in general. Our skin is the largest organ. It yeah. protects us. We have to take care of it. We only have one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I love that in a way, like, even though it does use a lot of technical expertise, like, you kind of lit up talking about it the same way as when you were talking about the castles. It's like you can, yes. like, construct something. I'm just, honestly, I'm very happy to finally have a day job that's separate from my art that doesn't stress me out, mm -hmm. but that's still, like, creative and challenging and engaging enough for me to come into work and be happy. Right. There was, I've talked to other people on the podcast and just in general about, like, that there's kind of a shame to having a day mm -hmm. job. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the, there's a lot of conflicting advice out there about, like, the role of day jobs. Right. Uh, that some people say, like, oh, you should get a day job that's really boring, so you'll be more encouraged to do your art. And then mm -hmm. there's other people that are, like, find a day job that's not fulfilling so you don't feel, you know, obligated. But then there's the advice of, like, well, you don't want to just be an automaton and feel like you're wasting your time. Absolutely not. So. I mean, I've, I've seen, like, both ends of that spectrum like I've had day jobs in like very corporate production like film music stuff which 
I thought were going to be fulfilling that ended mm-hmm. up just kind of draining my life and really making me almost incapable of oh. producing my own creative work because I was working on somebody else's stuff with so much passion and joy. Got it. And then I've also had like the restaurant barista job where it was so 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 far removed that yeah. it was like the, the antipodes of creativity and it made it very difficult to like integrate right so this is a nice happy medium that i'm dealing with right now i hope i hope it lasts i'm like praying for like some <laughs> continuity over here like okay i can make this yeah because i think that if you're if you're overwhelmed by the creativity of your day job then yeah it seems like almost like you drain your reserves for later for sure but at com- least for me that's how I felt too, where it's like if it's if you have like too much investment, but if you're not mm-hmm. invested at all, then I felt kind of like useless, I guess. Yeah, like your mind goes to some weird places. When yeah, you're bored. it might be like our Aquarius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm Aquarius <laughs> moon, but still, yes, yes, it's a vibe. Yes, or <laughs> all of a sudden you're like. I'm in the ether somewhere, but it's also dark. Yeah, like I'm thinking about solipsism and <laughs> visual metaphors, but yes. I'm holding clothes or I'm pouring <laughs> drinks. This does not make sense. Yeah, so you're like, I've gone elsewhere into the world of yeah. psychomagic, but like, yeah. did you want sugar with that? Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> and I feel like in some ways, like one of the questions that I do ask people is like, do you think that we're defined, because we do live in a capitalistic society, like mm-hmm. are we defined by what makes us money? I ponder about that all the time, and I mean, I m- my instinct, like, as, like, a, a renegade is just to say no, like, fuck it, fuck money, it's not real, but at the same time, we need to survive, we need to mm-hmm. eat, we need to buy Dior clothes, we need to dye our hair, we need yes. to buy beautiful heels and thigh highs and nail polish, so. Exactly. I would say I'm an equal part, like communist anarchist materialist but not a capitalist (laughs) i don't know how i would define myself you know in that systemic situation i love that i love that because like i guess for me like what you said just definitely like pinged a bunch of thoughts in my brain about like that for me like money is a vehicle to just express who i am and to help other people express who they are is money it's mush it's paper that you trade with people yeah And so it's like, it's really strange. I'm like, okay, so like when we talk about like day jobs, those are things that like are monetized. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me, like what is considered quote valuable in money terms, Mm -hmm. but then we can translate that money into other value. Like you said, like you can get awesome thigh highs. Yeah. And value can be anything. Yeah. Anything can be anything. (laughs) Like end (laughs) of podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) Scene. be like that's it that's all you get yeah i mean it would be pretty tight to have like a bartering system yeah because that's would that be sustainable i don't know in college it was i mean i went to bard so (laughs) that should tell you a lot about me (laughs) the bartering system (laughs) barter i see what you did yeah that's a good dad joke (laughs) i hope my dad is listening to this right now (laughs) right right and i think about like what about the you know, something like a universal income because I think mm-hmm. that some people criticize universal income because they're like, then people wouldn't be they wouldn't motivated work. to do more. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, in some ways I'm like, okay, I can see how for people of a certain temperament, they wouldn't want to strive beyond that. Mm-hmm. But then what's to say that it wouldn't then encourage people who are like oppressed by the current system that they wouldn't then just skyrocket and kind of right. make up the difference. It's kind of like, I mean, there are so many different types of 
pay structures right now and like that you can do like hourly, you can do salary, commission, mm-hmm. there's like commission plus. So why not add another thing right. with universal income? I think that like our government is just very afraid of getting experimental and like adding new things. Yes. Like, it's, yes. Even like the film industry like is so resistant to change. Yeah. Like th- there aren't any like very like avant-garde like movies coming out like like big ones. It's all just like right. recycled, like regurgitated like Spider-Mans and Avengers and shit. Right. And it's the same remakes and it's the re- same basic <sighs> stories over and over. And right. like in some ways I'm like, okay, well I guess like humans do need stories that we tell each other over we and do. over. We need stories. But at a certain point, like how many times can you tell the same story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I saw that one. Like that's what's interesting to me about like the art that you do is that some of the tropes like feel familiar Mm. but they're not so familiar that I'm like oh yeah I've seen that before that's a really great compliment I'm gonna think about that for a long time (laughs) (laughs) I think one time you called like one of my movies Vaporwave Lynch and that really stuck with me because I'm like wait I'm very influenced by both of those things yes (laughs) I love just bringing shit together that has like zero connection with each other like Vaporwave and Lynch and Lynch yeah, and they feel very natural. Like, I feel like the overlap of those two things in your art, I was like, oh, yeah, I can parse both of those things out, but they made something entirely new. Tight. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's why whenever you're like, would you like to be part of my art? I'm like, yes. Yes, please be part of my art all the time. <laughs> like, just just drench me in hologram things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just... Perfect. That's, my, that's always my go-to is, like, glittery, sparkly Everything that I didn't get to do in the corporate world, like all like yes. the fun stuff, like the fake blood and like the guts and the green screen. Yes. Yeah. What What were you doing like in the corporate world? Were you doing more set design or more? Yeah, I was um, interning. Well, first I started as an intern for like Spin Media when they were Spin Magazine and I was oh. doing video production. So I started working on their like green screen and teleprompter and just like with the gear. Mm-hmm. And I was... Mm-hmm fixing their gear too which was weird and then I got into more like set design when I moved back to LA after graduating college Mm -hmm. I considered like doing one of two paths I had just finished like a film a film Mm -hmm. that I had like live scored and like made the soundtrack for and my advisor told me that oh maybe you should like kind of take it on tour Oh. And I thought, like, oh, cool idea. But then I got offered, like, a job at Warner Brothers. So I'm like, maybe I should just take, you know, like, the interning job. Because oh. it was, like, audio mixing for film. Like, assisting, like, an audio mixer. Oh, wow. So that was, it was pretty tight. That's really interesting. Yeah. I actually ended up really hating it. It was very sexist. It was, like, all 40-year-old men and me. And I was very oh, underpaid. God. And I, was, I wasn't even really doing that much, like, actual sound work. It was very, like... Okay, I'm just sitting there like I feel like I'm a receptionist. That sucks because you're so capable that I'm like... Right. Yeah, so I kind of bounced around like gigs like that. I should have probably done the like going on tour immediately after college, but I did that afterwards with like some like DIY bands. I guess for lack of a better word, like there's a time and place for everything and it all has like served to teach me a lesson. Right. Well, and... I think that the way you're describing it, like, that sounds like an issue with the system. Like, when people say, like, oh, why aren't there more women in mm-hmm. sound engineering? If that's what you encountered as, like, fresh out of college sound engineer, mm-hmm. ready to do the work. Yeah. I mean, if it was, like, 
intern needed or PA needed, that's different than like sound engineer needed. Yeah, that's you know, like that's ma- a specialized skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's but it's also like when you say specialized skill, that's something that always sets off alarms in my brain because I'm like, oh my god, what do I specialize in? What the fuck? Ah! I, am I a sound engineer? Am I? Uh, do I fix cars? Like, do <laughs> I, what do I do? Cars. I probably should. <laughs> I love it. You're like, do I? What do I do? But that's I so think um, once I started becoming an esthetician, that's really taught me a lot about like specializing. That's that's a specialization in day job. And I feel like now that I have the comfort of that, I can just kind of do whatever with my art because I'm the boss of it. I love it. Do you feel, what's your specialty as an esthetician? Um, I really, really consider myself like not an expert, but someone who's like really been through like hormonal breakouts and like hormonal acne. Like if you saw what my face looked like, maybe like a year or two ago, it was like cystic motherfuckers. Oh, and those are so painful. And so painful. And it only started when I was like 25 or 26. So mm-hmm. it took me like a year of very dedicated skincare to get it under control. Mm-hmm. And I've been noticing that a lot of my clients who are like late 20s, early 30s mm-hmm. have been dealing with that. Mm-hmm. My gynecologist has this whack theory that this, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but it's also kind of whack that women nowadays are having kids later or not having kids at all. Mm-hmm. That, you know, back in the day, like we, pop out kids at like 20, 25 or something. Right, right. And now we don't have those same like hormonal wave patterns. So because we haven't had those like pregnancy hormones or what have you, like Uh it shows in our skin, our hair and blah, blah, blah. Well, and also we have so many. I was going to say we also have a lot of hormones in our food Mm -hmm. and things like Yeah. And so I think that there might be... Um, I immediately was like, I feel like that meme of the guy with the red strings. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Hormones everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Hormones. Um, But I think that there must be some sort of veracity to that, that people are experiencing different cycles because um, I did talk to my doctor about that and Mm -hmm. I have other friends who have talked to their doctors about the exact same thing, about like experiencing hormonal acne that before it was seen as like, Oh, just a teenager thing. Mm-hmm. But I never now... had acne as a teenager. Yeah, I was one of those like yes. ha- like hateable people with like <laughs> perfect skin up until I was like twenty six. <laughs> and then you're like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. And I think that I think that that's something that's really important to deal with because especially you got to go through it. Yes, and like as I mean, I feel like people denigrate those who deal in appearances, but our right. face is the first thing people see. It's our business. It's our business card. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we want to say that, oh, you know, appearance doesn't matter and things like that, mm-hmm. it's not that you have to adhere to a certain standard of beauty, but you want to feel comfortable in your face. Totally. You, that's exactly right. You want to feel comfortable. Like, you want to look at yourself and be like, oh, this is me. I think like one of my favorite epiphanies that I ever had, like the first time that I took acid was when I like, I had a lot of like body image issues and like eating mm-hmm. disorder stuff when I was a kid, but I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, this is neither ugly nor beautiful. It's just me. And I love it. And I think that was like a very like telling point in my oh, life. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah, I love telling that story. I'm like, <laughs> and that's, yeah, I mean, that seems to almost go back to like when we were talking about like self-definition mm-hmm. of just like acceptance and noticing like, I liked that you said that if you had a goal that you weren't putting effort towards, mm-hmm. that you let it go. Let it go, man. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's part of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Is like accepting what is part of you and then being able to be like, if something's not part of you, that's okay. Right. I think like on a broader scale, like almost like with people as well, 
Like, mm-hmm. if someone isn't, like, showing, like, reciprocity. Yes. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, to reference a previous conversation. <laughs> Tower moves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's, like... <sighs> I love breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, like thinking about kind of like if you are going to be a person who does multiple things, you have to really identify what your passion is and Mm -hmm. are people on that level. It's true. I mean, it's harsh, but it's life. It's it's nasty as a world. You're just living in it. (laughs) I'm okay with living in it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, because I think, like, when you were talking about the way that you treat your art and you treat being an esthetician, like, I hear, like, kind of a common thread of, like, passion and engagement with it. Mm -hmm. Well, almost like a reverence. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but I consider art to be very sacred. And it's, like, even, like, the performance and the ritual of it, even if it's just, like, a green screen and you're making a piece about, like, doing drugs or something, there's still so much that goes into creating a film or creating a piece of art. And you don't need to know how the secret sauce is made. Right. Because I know how the secret sauce is made. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, like, some of it has to do with intention. Like, and I don't think that, uh, for instance, like you said, like, oh, well, it might be, like, a green screen and, like, someone's, like, doing drugs. But I think even with, like, doing drugs, it depends on what your intention is behind doing Agreed. drugs. Yeah. It always um, trips me out how some people can just, like, take shrooms or acid and go to a party. Like, that's... Right? Like, I cannot do that it has to be like a sacred like planned out kind of like intention heavy day for me of like I don't know like is there gonna be ego death like is my intention to just like have an aesthetic experience right I don't want to I mean I love like Gaspar Noe stuff and like enter the void or any and all of that but I can't see that as a practice well and I was talking to um a clinic actually in Mm -hmm. LA that offers ketamine treatments love it and yeah that was the thing is like I think that Almost any substance can be used beneficially if used with intent. 100%. And like talking to them about how they do the infusions and like what they guide the client through and Mm -hmm. things like that. I think that as long as we treat things with respect and with intent, as opposed to like if you're taking something to just blot something out. Right. It's the same as like any other compulsive behavior where you like either overeat or compulsively like use attention from Mm -hmm. other people or like whatever your thing is. It's self-sabotage. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between like actually engaging with something with intent, not even to necessarily Mm -hmm. better yourself. Like I'm not really attached to like better or worse. Right. But just like approaching it with like, okay, I'm going to respect this journey. Well, there's, like, a whole spectrum of, like, you know, you can use psychedelics as, like, the way, like, MAPS does mm-hmm. it for consciousness raising, or you could use it as the way that MK Ultra did it for yeah. torture. Yes. So there's no, no such thing as a good or bad drug. It's just the way that it's used. Yeah, like, I thought it was so interesting. I started reading, and I need to read more of it, Michael mm-hmm. Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, I think I've it's heard called. of that. I've never read it. I, uh, I was supposed to go on a hike with a friend and he had it by one of the chairs in his house. Mm-hmm. And like I sat down because he was like getting his stuff ready for the hike. And I just started reading it. And he's like, are you ready to go? And I was like, eh. no, I, I just want to sit Very here and read your book. book. Right <laughs> like, is, is that what you're reading right now? I need to. I, I OK, I have this thing where I have to finish at least one of the books I'm reading before I buy a new one. Cool. I, I just, wish I could do that. <laughs> I just wrapped one of them, but then I accidentally awesome. hopped into another. So I'm like, 
Oh, Schaefer, you messed up. Ooh. You gotta. <laughs> See, that's my problem with books. I used to be such an avid reader, like in high school. Like reading was definitely like my like one of my favorite like activities. Now I'll start a book, get into like a chapter, and like, mm, then I'll reread another book. Then like I'll go through like one chapter that I really like in it, and like, oh okay, I'm inspired now. Like bye. Yeah, you're like. I buy another book. I'm like, mm, next. Next. That's, oh my god. Yeah. What, have you heard of um, Luigi Serafini's book? It's like the Codex Serafininus. No. Oh my what? god. Okay, Tell I'm me. gonna like either like textual link to it it's mm-hmm. one of my friends in college had this book it's huge it's basically like a surrealistic encyclopedia of like another world but the creator like makes a whole like different language it's wow. just like a whole it's really hard to explain because it's really psychedelic but it's uh-huh. like a, a whole system of living that's like something that you can imagine from another planet like if you land on fucking Mars or something and you pick wow. up this book, this is what it would seem like from a very like authentically like Martian perspective. That's fascinating. It's very cool. That's like for whatever reason, I've always been it's funny that you brought up like when people do like shrooms and psychedelic parties. Mm-hmm. I'm the person that they always somehow come and find. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> yes. Always yeah, it's like I'm on Molly right now. Like, oh my god. Yes. Yes, and I'm just like, I don't know what it is about us that, like, people are just like, ah, you shall be my spirit guide. Yeah, and I was like, sure. I was just, I, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm doing now. This is it. Mm-hmm. Babysitter. <laughs> yes. It's like a psychedelic babysitter. Every time. And I'm just like, you I want. You put that on your resume. Psychedelic babysitter. <laughs> Therapist. Musician. Psychedelic babysitter. It's ring to it. I'd hire you. <laughs> I'm apparently really good at it. <laughs> like, I believe that. <laughs> Please babysit my next trip. Exactly. Be <laughs> like, voyage. I'll sign up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it sounds like, talking about psychedelics, it makes me think about, like, it seems like that's brought a lot into your life. And, like, I was curious what you... It really you, has. Yeah, I was like, what's the dovetailing with that? And then with so much of, like, the filmmaking and the visuals and the events, like, do you feel like you've been able to bring some of the lessons from psychedelics to those or vice versa? You know what? I think, yes. I mean, I've always had synesthesia. It's like the, like a condition where like your senses cross mm-hmm. and you can experience like sound as color and vice versa mm-hmm. i think that's what really like marries me to art mm. but when i started doing psychedelics it really like unlocked it for me in oh. a way that i was able to kind of put like a definition on it i'm like oh, okay i'm not crazy this is what my perception is like and right. it's sometimes it's really annoying but most of the time it's pretty cool <laughs> and i think on like on a broader scale it also makes sense as to why, like, I cross all of these disciplines, like right. film and music, or like graphic design and curation, or like science yes. and beauty, or like what have you. I think it's cool to like blend everything together. I just think that like everything is trippy and everything is psychedelic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like to share that with other people? Because I think part of art, like, part of it's the making of it, and then mm-hmm. part of it's the like, then it's out in the world. Right. I'm always surprised if, like, people come up to me and they, like, know something about my art. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, this character from this movie that I made Uh or, like, some, like, obscure fact. I'm just genuinely surprised by it, but then I think it's cool. Sharing it with people, I'm always a little bit afraid that people aren't going to, like, get it or, Mm. like, kind of be turned off by how weird it is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, life's too short, fuck it. (laughs) whatever let people be weird you only get one you only get one go yeah and it's like I think of I was talking to it wasn't a podcast guest but I was talking to someone else about like art and music as communication and Mm -hmm. like 
there's a difference between if you're making art that just like satisfies something in you mm-hmm. versus if then you want to put it out in the world yeah. and share it with someone else, then it becomes a back and forth. Right. Um, but also like why I want to make more like long form films is because I really like everyone in LA works in film, but I don't know that many people who actually make films. Oh. So I want to kind of fill in that blank of like making really weird, like Ryan Tricartney kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of people who, you know, have, like, blogs and, like, have, like, YouTube videos and such, which is cool. Like, I I envy that ability to make, like, short-form content consistently. I think that's, mm-hmm. like, a huge, huge skill. But I kind of want to bridge the gap between, like, very, like, DIY work and, like, films and right. cinema. Like, right. long, big content. Long-form cinema. Mm-hmm. Where do you find that most people see your work? Probably, like, online. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Darkness, the last film that I made is on Amazon now. I think that's pretty much where most people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, I was thinking about like how audiences, what was I going to say? It's like how audiences access media. Right. That's that's always something that I think about too because when it, it comes to like releasing my own work, like films especially, like where to find a screening space. It's tough with films because people prefer to watch from the privacy of their own home and like their yes. laptop and iPhone rather than go to like a party or screening and watch something in silence for like an hour right I I love that I wish there were more things like that and like more like DIY filmmakers so if if you know any (laughs) (laughs) well it seems like that might be the next castle Ooh, yeah I mean for a clown castle I've like hit up a lot of my New York friends who make like short films and stuff so Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be a screening component to it yeah and also for like anyone listening if they want to like contribute some some clown stuff there we go. Mm-hmm. We'll include links so that oh, yeah. people can actually this is find be you. Fire under my ass to like recode my website. <laughs> ah! I know It'll that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling where I'm like, oh, I need to. Oh, people are actually going to see this. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll make it look pretty. How do people find you for esthetician stuff, or do you practice under like other clinics or? I um I work at Heyday. Mm-hmm. So Heyday, it's like very like it's a contemporary salon and we do facials based on time. We don't mm-hmm. have a menu. We do like 30 minute, 50 minute or 75 minute facials mm-hmm. and skincare treatments. And I really like the concept of it cuz we just look at the person's skin and do like a very thorough analysis oh. and see like okay, maybe you want like a more chill facial today, you just want to like relax or maybe you really really want to like drill down on those comedones or maybe you want to exfoliate more today or maybe you want to focus on like a facial massage and get that like mm. tightened a little bit. So I like having the ability to kind of like tailor it to whatever the client wants. It's definitely a service job, but it's cool. I that's like that. so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's like it feels like that fulfills like a different part of you. It does. It fulfills it fulfills the part of me that's like the nurse archetype. Ah. You know what I mean? It's like I want to make people happy and like feel good about themselves. That's interesting. It's my like I mean, I feel like my art does contribute to the world, but not like in a more aesthetic way, but mm-hmm. my aesthetician practice contributes to the world and like making people feel good and mm-hmm. actually doing something good. Well, and it's so tangible because you right. can you can see the exchange you can see right the results. there. Mm-hmm. You can see people feeling happy and relaxed, and that's always really nice. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about like with my therapy practice too. Yeah. The, 
There's sometimes people come out of practice and they're like, oh my God, that was like a mental workout. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's just like, I'm sure that there are therapists that just are there to like make you feel really good. But I'm like, no, mm-hmm. we're going to go to the dark truthy place. Let's do it. <laughs> like, oh my God. Have you heard of like birth therapy no. or like rebirth? Oh, yes. Whether you, I, yes, you I have heard of that. You experience your own birth or something? Yes. That sounds fucking terrifying. Yes. I'm just like... I mean, did your mom ever tell you the story of your birth or? I mean, no, but like I've had like ayahuasca experiences that were like death and rebirth. And I'm like, I don't think I ever wanted to experience. I mean, death was like not as unpleasant as rebirth. I feel like. Interesting. For at least like in my experience of it, I'm like, holy shit. Like when you're born, you go, I don't know. You just go through so much trauma. That's, I was literally reading about birth as trauma. That's, that's why, bizarre. That's crazy. Also, like, when you're, like, an infant, infants don't remember anything. And isn't there, like, some theory It's is that because it's so traumatic that the brain, though it hasn't formed yet, just blocks it out immediately? Well, and also a lot of memories are pre-verbal because memories get coded in different ways. Like, they'll cool. get coded verbally. They mm-hmm. get coded somatically. They get coded sensorily. Mm-hmm. So that's why, for instance, like, our earliest memories are olfactory because that's our first sense that's fully developed. Wow. Yeah. Neuroscience amazing right that's why like even our visual memories i mean we don't really track well with our eyes until about two or three months um and we do hear things but they don't have attachments to things Mm because also we don't have object permanence right until a bit later and so that's why some of our visual memories or our auditory memories aren't they aren't attached to that much Mm because we don't attach them to objects but olfactory memories are the very first ones that we have that's crazy yeah and so like we do store memories and we do store emotional memories but we don't necessarily have recall for them so they Mm -hmm. might be traumatic but they also might be great but we don't have like the the words to recall them got it do you have any like crazy like smell memories there are like certain smells that like like take you back yeah yeah like even i mean there's some that are very conscious like for instance the smell of any lip balm from the body shop Mm mm-hmm I know. Immediately, I'm like, yes. Um, The smell of like certain bagels. Ooh. Right? Bagel smell is nice. Bagel smells really nice. It's very visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Bagel smells really good. Uh, The smell of, I think it's called Shalimar, like the perfume. Like the grandma perfume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there are certain, like, or like there's the smell of like certain kinds of wood that smell like wood paneling from That's so interesting. My childhood. Yeah, it's like there's these weird little blips. That's like fragrance as art and like scent yeah. as like conspiracy. Like, Ab- <laughs> like well, like Abercrombie and Fitch, like that's how they get people to yes, come in it by smells with the smell. Yes. And like Sephora yes. has like fragrance that entices people in. Yes. It's crazy. Well, and I think about, like, have you ever walked into, like, a restaurant, like, that smells somehow familiar, even though you've never been there before? Honestly, like, my sense of smell is really bad. I would say oh. that it's probably my worst of all of my senses. But I have this one wallet, and it's, like, it's like a SpongeBob wallet. I think uh-huh. I've had this since, I was, since fifth grade or something. And then I open it up, and it smells like... Like, the beach, but, like, strawberries, but, like, perfume, but, like, sand. It has this really interesting, like, very strong scent combination that I can't really quite describe, but it reminds me of something primordial. Uh-huh. And I, it hasn't lost its scent. Like, I keep it in, like, a little memory box, and oh, every once in a while, if I, like, like, go through it, I'm like, is it still there? Oh, fuck, it's still there. Yes! <laughs> 
it's crazy. That's my one like crazy scent experience. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, like did you when you were a kid, did you move around a lot? Did you stay in the same place? We moved around a lot. Mm. Um my dad is like he's from France and my mom is from Russia. Like my parents mm. met in Russia. We moved around a lot and then we moved to America when I was like two. Oh, gotcha. And then even when we were in California, we moved like I think until like my teenage years, I moved around a lot. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, because that can definitely, I feel like growing up in LA and then living here, mm-hmm. there are certain like scent memories that are associated even with seasons. Mm. Like there are certain smells in the air like that I'll get. I, you know what? I get that. Like winter in particular mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like red and blue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, certain smells you can smell and understand, like, what the air quality looks like mm-hmm. and what the light diffusion looks like and, like... Amazing. Yeah. Also, sometimes, like, when I think of seasons in L.A. and, like, lack thereof, it kind of almost makes me, like, apocalyptically sad because what if there just aren't going to be any seasons in the future? It's very right. possible to have a seasonless world. It would be either seasonless or it seems like there will be places that will be very Overseas. extremely seasoned. Yeah. Too spicy. No, too spicy. I don't want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and I'm just like, and then there will be places where you're like, mm, that needs a little more mayo. Yeah. <laughs> I also, like, I've noticed that a lot of artists are making art about the environment, like Bjork, mm-hmm. and even, like, smaller artists as well. So that's I, something that I want to check out. I was going to mm-hmm. say, like, I found that, and more artists are speaking up explicitly about the environment mm-hmm. as well. There was an interview that popped up with Aurora that I was listening to, and her latest album actually does connect to kind of like our connection to the world and like being cool. an alien in the world, but mm-hmm. also being of the world. And she was talking about how like essentially we are on a changing planet, and I think yeah. that that's going to be a thread that we see in art a lot because it's unavoidable. Right. Yeah, I put in like a scene for my new film, like in zero illumination. Like there's like one mm-hmm. scene that delves into how fucked up the environment is going to be in the future. But mm-hmm. again, from my very fatalistic perspective, I feel like, I don't know, I just think that it's going to be doomed. I, I don't think there's much that we can do to control it. I mean, we can all like go vegan and start recycling, but it needs to be like a full team effort. I was going to say, we need like LA, everyone on team. Be, like in Minnesota, like Michigan, like Iowa, like Alaska, everywhere. I was going to say like China. China, China, <laughs> like, Russia, like Middle East, like everywhere. Well, and I think that it feels like we're on the cusp of, like, the end of an epoch. Mm-hmm. And, it like, does, yeah. It's very weird. And it's it's interesting talking to another artist during this time mm-hmm. because I think about that a lot. Like, when I'm writing about, like, in a way it's sort of, like, everything seems a little frivolous, but also, like, mm-hmm. I want to lean into the frivolity because it's all we have yeah. right now. It's both very frivolous and very heightened, and it's, like, a very yeah. difficult situation to reconcile. Yeah, because it's like, we can see that we're at the end of an empire. Like, yeah. that's pretty clear. Very clear. But, like, but what's next? Yeah, and it's like, I sometimes, you know, I would wonder, like, oh, what was it like at the cusp of the Renaissance? Or what was it like yeah. after the fall of Rome? Or what? And, like, mm-hmm. I would wonder hypothetically, like, what would it be like in those eras? But I didn't really want to be jettisoned into one of those eras. For real. It was more of an abstract, and now I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't really want that to be concrete. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, there's only one way to go, and that's through it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's what we're all, we're all doing that now together, but separate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Separate. And yet together. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like in a way, like hearing about like the themes in your art and hearing about in the way that you like to tangibly help people 
like it does almost feel like you're like preparing yourself and other people for putting their best foot forward in that journey Mm -hmm. yeah I've been reading a lot about like the Tibetan book of the dead and Tim Leary's the psychedelic experience basically every time I think like my life is going south I reread that and I'm like oh god (laughs) this isn't the only dimension whatever this is all just gameplay but fun gameplay, you have to lean into it. That's, yeah, I think that's what I was thinking about, like, leaning into the frivolity mm-hmm. of it, of, like, your other option is to just kind of give up and just say Right, but that sucks. Yeah. That's the easy way out. And it's, like, it's, like, the avoidance, or, like, when mm-hmm. we were talking about kind of, like, the wrong way to use drugs, I guess, of, like, kind of the, yeah. the dipping out. Like as opposed numbing. To, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, where it's, like, you can either kind of, like, peace out or you can lean into your passions. Word. I'm just, like... Like, because it sounds like, in a way, like, your films have brought you a greater understanding of, like, yourself, but, Mm -hmm. like, what else has, like, engaging in music and engaging in film and engaging in visuals, like, what do you feel like that's brought to you? That's a really good question. That's also, well, one of the main things that it's brought to me is my capacity to collaborate with other people. Ooh. Because prior to that, like, prior to when I started, like, making films and music in college, I was, like, I'm very, like, shy and reserved, like... Okay, my for astrology people, I'm a Scorpio sun, mm-hmm. Aquarius moon, and Leo rising. I feel like it's like a lot going on there. You're very secretive. Yeah. Show off. I love yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> like the Scorpio in me, like just wants to be unbothered, like in my room with the door closed, like listening to Animal Collective, just like everybody fuck off. But then the Aquarius and Leo are like, no, we want to hang out with we people. Want to hang out. We want look at all the like future vision and look at how great these shoes are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's um like as a director and that it's been like also mostly like as a casting agent, I guess, because mm-hmm. I cast all of my friends, but I think their roles just fit perfectly into what I kind of envision as like the characters that I write. Yeah. There have been also like some instances where you know, when choosing, like, between people to cast for a certain role, and, like, if somebody's schedule aligns with my filming schedule, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna rewrite this part to particularly tailor that Oh, to, like, match the person. Yeah. And I'm all about the, like, improvisational quality of it as well, Mm. just to see what they bring to it as people, because I'm not... I mean, I'm the boss of the project, but they're the boss of their part. Mm. So I don't want to direct them too much. That's honestly, that's one thing I liked about shooting with you both for like the images that you took from my music, but Mm -hmm. also like shooting within your film Cool, is that like, I'm glad. Yeah. It's like your directive and I can tell that you have like kind of an overarching goal in mind, Mm -hmm. but you're not super attached to like exactly how. Totally. And I like that a Mm -hmm. lot because it opens up space for like trying things because Mm -hmm. then you're like, well, some of this is going to work. Some of this isn't going to work, but we don't know until we actually do it. Exactly. And so it's like having that like kind of. It's a big container, but it is a container. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely much more of like a big picture person than a Mm -hmm. detail-oriented person. And I also like that like working on like DIY, more like lo-fi projects, it gives you a lot of space to fuck it up. Yes. (laughs) So you can can make the mistakes, but then you can like rectify them and learn from them. I think that's also what filmmaking has brought to me is that it's allowed me to kind of fuck shit up (laughs) Uh uh-huh you're just like i'm not attached to this like the worst that could happen is that it doesn't work the way i thought it would exactly it's like i don't always have to be right i want to but it's right not always gonna happen and that's an important lesson just in general Mm -hmm. especially like you know because i think that that harkened back in my brain Mm -hmm. to like the idea of practice 
like putting this into action. Oh, yeah, big metaphor alert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like there should be like a little visual symbol. Ah! People can't see, but I'm doing like little like jazz hands. Yeah. Jazz hands. Metaphor alert. Metaphor alert. <laughs> like when you're like enacting your identity, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, well, what's showing up and what's working and what's not working. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all a practice. Like even like existence is an art medium too. I consider it an art medium. I never like take time off from it. It's weird. Like people ask me like, when do you take a vacation from art? Right. And that's another hard question for me too. Cause even if I like, let's say like take like three months off from a year from doing any projects, I'm still going to be thinking about something like overarching. I'll be taking notes for myself or working on something private. And that's, I was, uh, I wrote down in my journal kind of like, I guess, like, I don't know what to call them, but I wrote a list of 20 things that I can do to, like, recharge. Mm-hmm. Oh, Be- I love that. Yeah, because so it's, like, because it's weird, because I think much the same, I don't really like to do things for, I guess, what people conventionally would call leisure, mm-hmm. um, because I find a lot of my leisure through creativity. Cool, yes. Yeah, and so I'm, like, I don't really feel the need mm-hmm. to, I guess, like, take traditional, like, time off. I do play a lot of video games, though. There you That's go. That's my leisure. My leisure, I guess, is, like, I love um, I love going on hikes or long walks. Awesome. To, like, kind of just embody myself again. Cause I and find, being in nature. Yes. Yes. Like, and even if, like, because sometimes at the end of a hike, I'll, like, all of a sudden, boom, like, a song will come to mind. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes all that comes to my mind is, like, how nice trees are. And that's okay. That's and that's cool. great. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes I love that. Again, like, oh, I just, I needed to do that. And, like, some of it's, like, physical. Mm-hmm. Some of it is, like, treating myself to a good meal. Some of it is, like, even yeah. having a conversation I'm going to buy friend. myself some bougie sushi after oh this. Oh, my God. Bougie sushi. By the <laughs> way, there's, like, a code for Postmates that popped up on, like, my little notification today. I was just like, oh, you got me. Yeah. Totally going to Postmates Amazing. myself. Um, I'm going to treat myself to some sushi and wine. I love it. That's what I'm going to do. I think I would give that advice to everyone. Just do it. Yes. I think I love (laughs) that. Buy yourself meals and stuff. Yes. Like I kind of on that list, like I'll pick something from it every day, even if it's Mm -hmm. something really small, because some of it is like take a nap, Mm -hmm. Uh, like look at Pinterest, because I like to look at like different visual things, because much like you, I have mild synesthesia. And Mm -hmm. so like I'll start hearing different things while I'm looking at different colors and aesthetics. And so, like, that will spark things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pinterest is less charged than Instagram because, like, Instagram, sometimes it gets attached to, like, the person posting. Instagram, I need to take days off from it every once in a while because yes. it gets too much. It's too much. And so, like, that's why, like, I used to flip through magazines, but now magazines are also really charged. And so mm-hmm. I'm just like, ugh. Um, Pinterest is cool. I like Pinterest a lot. Like, it can send you down really fun aesthetic rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I kind of follow the advice of Agent Cooper of giving yourself <gasps> oh my a God. gift every day. <laughs> literally just thinking about that i'm like okay i'm gonna wait for her to finish yeah, talking like, are we gonna get zero in on that <laughs> we're going into the black lodge yes that's a show that i can always rewatch recreation like yep i find that every time i watch it there's some part of it that i've missed thank and, like, you i knew like ah oh. yes it is one of my great joys to rewatch twin peaks and mm-hmm. to share it with new people yeah because then watching them watch it i see new things too i don't trust people who don't like twin peaks me neither twin peaks and bjork sense. are my litmus test agreed yeah me it's too. like <laughs> an animal collective yeah yeah but it's... i get how people don't like them either well and also it's like for me i guess i feel like if you can at least get down with it and recognize it, mm-hmm. even if it's not your cup of tea. your thing, yeah. If you can't recognize those things for what they are, mm-hmm. then I'm just kind of like, mm, I don't know. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so glad that we discovered the Agent Cooper moment. Yes. <laughs> oh, every moment is an Agent Cooper moment. Oh, if only. He's oh, my man. dream man. He is. Why, why doesn't he just exist? He should just... Okay, I'm manifesting him into the universe. There right we go. Now. Let's do there it. There we go. <laughs> and only the one Cooper. We don't need any of the Tulpas. Oh, I mean, they yeah, were interesting, no but like... I don't yeah. need Mr. C. I need like 1991 Dale Cooper. That was like... Mm-hmm. That's that's the vintage of Dale Cooper I'm into. It's just, it's incredible how, you know, this like FBI guy who could have been portrayed as very straight-laced is into like Tibetan Book of the Dead exactly. and all these like zen, interesting phenomena. And just the way he talks is so spellbinding. I love, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's interesting because I was going to ask about like kind of the dovetailing of your professions, but I feel mm-hmm. like almost like... You're like, you're embodying like the female Agent Cooper. <laughs> that is the greatest compliment I have. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel so blessed. <laughs> um, Agent Cooper was like one of my biggest inspirations for the, my character in Darkness because she's an oh, FBI. She gets murdered yes. by one of her lovers and then she comes back from the dead as an FBI spirit. And I'm like, I'm Agent Cooper. I'm yes. Agent Cooper. And I'm going to murder this motherfucker who fucked me up. Yes. So and I like love Agent Cooper and Kill Bill. <laughs> and I remember that scene where you like come back and you're just, and you can see it in your eyes that you're like, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this she's shit is back. going down. And she's blissed off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my God, that makes me so happy. This like explains how we're friends. True. <laughs> it's, it's a great bonding tool. <laughs> like, oh my God. What would, so if someone wanted to start on their path of being Agent Cooper and Mm. of like getting into film and of getting into this kind of stuff, what would you recommend someone do? I mean, this is so cheesy, but just start doing it. Mm -hmm. If there, if somebody is already like, you know, inspired by a lot of films and has a certain like idea that they want to execute, it doesn't matter if it's like lo-fi and like really bad and really badly shot. Just do it because mm-hmm. chances are like if you're young, you're going to keep improving with time. Right. Like I've also like my research has shown that <laughs> a lot of filmmakers have started like in their 30s and 40s. Like yes. David Lynch, like Tarantino, they didn't mm-hmm. make their first films until like their like late 30s. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I've got 10 years to get as good as them. (laughs) Well, and I think also, like, there's a lot of pressure in the arts, and I find especially on female artists, that Mm -hmm. somehow you have to come out as, like, I mean, not to diss Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish. Yeah. Passionately. I feel very protective of her, weirdly. Mm -hmm. But, like, you don't have to. She's so young. That's, yeah, she's, like, 16, 17, Mm -hmm. and it's, like. Wait, really? I thought she was, like, 20. But that's, wow. No, she's, like, actually a baby. Like, is actually a child. She seems, like, very mature, which is good. Yeah. And, like, Good. I love that, like, she works with her brother. I think that that's, that's like, nice. that's so cool. And mm-hmm. so, like, but I feel like teenagers sometimes have this pressure and women have this pressure even in our 20s and in our 30s mm-hmm. to somehow come out fully formed like that where all of a sudden, right. you, like, whatever you put out at 16 is, like, you and it that's has to be great scary. and it has to be amazing. And, like, yeah, and I think that that is, it, it puts unreasonable expectations on people because even listening to the progression of her stuff from mm-hmm. when she was 14 to 17. Ah! right yeah oh my god yeah working with teenagers i didn't realize what a baby she was until like wow i had she had popped up on my spotify and i really liked her she's very talented she's so talented she produces all her own stuff right yeah she and her brother phineas is like in his 20s i guess Mm -hmm. and i just love that they're a brother sister duo yeah it works and like it totally works and like 
I I started researching more about her because like one of the kids that I work with who's mm-hmm. eleven really likes her. Cool. And so I was like I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'll check her out more and like I appreciate her artistry, but I also can see the progression even in her mm-hmm. work, even at such a young age. That's awesome. And it's so cool to see that like she is putting out stuff, but you can see the evolution and I think that, that gives people more realistic expectations mm-hmm. because like the very first thing you do doesn't have to be great. Even like the tenth thing you do doesn't have to be great. That's true. That's what I admire about Bjork because like in her fifties, mm-hmm. she has reignited a career that was already successful uh-huh. and turned it into this whole like multimedia, like multidisciplinary, like coming from like DIY punk ass roots. Uh-huh. I'm like, wow, that is if anything for me were to be career goals, I'm like, that is like the most beautiful trajectory. Oh my god. I, I pretty much I, like it gives me chills whenever I think about it. And just yes. like her in general, I'm like goddess like goddess incarnate like thinking about her and thinking about like i love i mean when you told me that i was like a millennial enya that was like the nicest girl yeah because your music is so like ethereal but it's so contemporary yeah and that's how i feel about her career where it's like Mm -hmm. she is really intent on what she does like enya Mm -hmm. doesn't try to sound like other people yeah she just sounds like enya she really does and i admire that so much and i admire also that like she is like an older female artist same Mm -hmm. with kate bush where it's like yeah they all have very singular styles yeah and they stuck with their style and they stayed true to themselves and like they obviously they let it evolve but Mm -hmm. like I admire that I'm like, yeah, I want to live in a castle based on my ethereal music. Fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Live in a castle. <laughs> I'm just like, that's right. Ethereal music can build castles. I believe that. That's the world that I'd like to live in. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the world that I'm... That's your world. Avidly constructing. Yes. Oh my God, that's a beautiful <laughs> world. Obsessed. I can't wait to see all of your, like, next videos and stuff. Oh my god, I'm so excited to like release more stuff. And like this mm-hmm. year, I've really been you've been killing it. I've been leaning into mm-hmm. just leaning in, leaning in. I keep Perfect. yeah, I keep feeling Blossoming. like yes. It's kind of like you're like oh, I'm gonna throw myself at the ground so that I'll fly. It's mm-hmm. a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> same. Like... I use the expression "fire under my ass" a lot. There you go. Yeah, I keep like tripping and falling into success because yeah. I'm like willing to run into things. Exactly. It's like you you always have to risk failure and like kind of be okay with it. Yeah. And I think that's really important in like, I guess in regards to anything, because like Mm -hmm. some people have considered it like a failure if they don't, for instance, like support themselves financially with their art, but then Mm -hmm. their art has failed. But that's not true at all. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I definitely get that. But I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask for like a DIY artist or somebody who's just starting. Exactly. Because I think even, like, like you know, more, like, famous and successful artists, like, they're not that rich. Right. They're just famous, but they're not that rich. Well, and also, like, defining kind of, like, what is wealth. Like, yeah. It's, like, are you making stuff that you actually – it kind of goes That's back true. to it's what you're like talking about. very, like, reductive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, when you're talking about, like, well, are you living your passions? Are you living your intentions? Are you activating true. your goals? Or are you not? Exactly. So, oh, my God. I'm like, I want to talk to you for like five more hours. <laughs> I know. I think it's like on terms of like goal setting. I mean, like I'm, I bought a Tesla this year and I was like, like, yes, my like five year goal, like five years ago and it finally <gasps> happened. So with that, something that gives me hope for like the future, I can do it. You can do you, it. And you can do, like everyone can do it. And I think it just, it's yes. like the amount of like emotional energy that you invest into mm-hmm. something is what really makes it happen. But you need to be clear about it is what I've learned. It's like yes. clarity is. Yes. Important. 
And it sounds like really kind of like experimenting to get that clarity. Yeah. Because um, it sounds like like with the esthetician stuff, you did get clear on the fact that like it sounds like helping people is valuable to you. Of course. And you're like, oh, what's a way that I can do this that really meshes with mm-hmm. who I am? And then the same with like choosing which mode of artistic expression you're going with that you're like, oh, well, which feels like me right now? Absolutely. So this has been an absolute pleasure. time flies when you're having fun right i was just like oh my gosh that's crazy it is yeah thank you so much for having me on thank you so much for coming i'm gonna link to all of your work and people can see you and people are gonna be able to see all the castles and all the films all the castles queen of the castle you're the queen of the castle in the borat voice (laughs) queen of the castle (laughs) (laughs) my wife (laughs) that's the perfect ending Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Why Not Both. If you would like to learn more about our guests, such as the one I interviewed today and all of the other people from this past season, you can head over to our website, which is wnbpodcast.com. Please make sure to like and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any interviews. And if you fancy, leave us a review. Thank you again, and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you.